This is the Reverend Jeremy Means Koss, and you're listening to an Episcopal Constellation in the Shires of Vermont. May these words move our ears to hear you, our eyes to see you, and our behavior to share you. For you alone are enough. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, morning. and welcome to the second Sunday in Lent. Uh, Lent being this interesting period um, where in the season of our faith, um, because we as Episcopalians, right, we have this idea that there get to be seasons in a church year. Just like we have winter, spring, summer, and fall, we believe that there should be seasons that guide the journey of our faith formation. And I, I think Lent is really special because Lent is, Lent is this time where you get to essentially clean house, to do some remodeling. Like if we think about faith formation as decorating the inside of a house, decorating the inside of your emotional and mental life, Lent is that time every year to take a sledgehammer and start knocking down some walls throwing stuff out, make room for better stuff, not prettier stuff, not newer stuff, better stuff. And one of those better stuffs that God has placed on my heart lately is this idea of prioritizing what really matters. Because really, like what, what really does matter when you think about it? What is important in life? And how do we get that thing that's important? Now, I don't mean important like material importance. I don't mean like having a house or food or those material things that our bodies do very much need to survive. I actually mean that inner thing that's important. That inner thing that helps us all cope with good times and bad times. That inner thing that helps fill us with courage, with hope. For St. Paul, it was this idea of righteousness, of who was worthy and who was upright in the sight of God. Not because it had gotten them riches or fame or any of those things, but because it, it actually got them access to someone and something better, something greater, something he couldn't even quite fully describe The closest he gets to it is what he calls blessed assurance. And he couldn't really describe that beyond kind of dancing around it. And to be fair, he can't even really describe what righteousness is either. If you start going down the rabbit hole of like, what's an easy definition of righteousness, it'll be like, you are upright or you are right. And it's like a circular dance where you're like, I don't have the answer. But Paul does name how you get to it. And he says it so simply. He says, now, if you believe in Jesus, God sees you as righteous. Not through any other factors, not who you are, not because like, but only because of your faith. You are now this upright and good being within this covenant 
with God, this eternal agreement of how to be in relationship with this divine presence that is beyond explanation. Now, what we don't get from reading scripture today is just how controversial that small itty bitty statement actually was for him to just share that with others. And as part of his ministry was a really controversial thing. In, in our lifetimes, we have seen the debate topics like sexuality, female priesthood and abortion. And we think those are really big and they are, but they pale in comparison of how dramatic and like explosive it was for Paul to say that you could achieve righteousness through faith alone. Because up until St. Paul's ministry, the Jesus movement had primarily been a Jews for Jesus movement. Before it became commonly accepted that anyone could be saved by Jesus, especially in the very early church, when it was still just a collection of believers and house meetings, everyone thought that you had to obey the Jewish laws, that you had to first be a Jew before you could become a, a proper follower of Jesus. And to their defense, that perspective made a bunch of sense. It actually was very logical for them because Jesus himself was Jewish. His name in Aramaic back then was not Jesus. It was Yeshua. His stepfather, Mary's husband, was Joseph, a direct descendant of King David. And all the prophecies that they thought were about Jesus, that they hoped were about Jesus, that we get in the New Testament are Jewish prophets. So, like, it made total sense that 2,000 years ago, this wasn't a multinational, multi-ethnic movement. It was a movement started within one specific ethnic and faith tradition. And then you get this guy, Saul. Saul, who was a Pharisee, who himself actually persecuted the Jews for Jesus and was then converted to becoming a Christian himself while on his way to Damascus. And Saul, who is now rebranded as Paul, comes out of this born again moment and realizes. He realizes that Jesus had been saying all along that even though Jesus himself might have been primarily working with Judean people, his identity as the son of God and savior of the world is meant for everybody. And that's the message Paul starts sharing. But that is a very radical claim. And we know this from Acts chapter 15, that Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch and the church there, they, they aren't so sure if they're going to buy what Paul is selling. So they send Paul and Barnabas down to Jerusalem to talk with the elders. And so you get Peter, our very own Peter, Paul and some others, and they're all gathered in Jerusalem for this conclave of conversation to talk about this very controversial thing that Paul is preaching about. Righteousness for everyone, regardless of background or identity. And they debate this topic for a while. And it's our St. Peter who stands up and says, hey, you guys know me. You guys respect me. And you know that I preach to Gentiles. 
It's cool. And then James, Jesus's brother, who is the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he stands up and says, excuse me, guys, uh, remember that verse from the prophet Amos uh, where God says he's going to build up the house of David (laughs) and even the Gentiles will be able to seek the Lord? Even James, like the most Jewish guy in the room, is like, God is an inclusive God. And so now, now you get Paul with free reign to go ahead and convert everybody to the cause, to preach and teach and model that there is a path of righteousness for everyone. And that path starts with faith. I love Paul's logic. Verse 13 of Romans, Paul is like, When God promises to Abraham, right, he doesn't do it because Abraham obeyed a bunch of laws. He did it because he found Abraham worthy. In the Septuagint, the the Greek Hebrew, the, the Hebrew Bible in Greek used back then, in Genesis chapter 15, it says that Abram, Right. And in 17, which is what we read today, he's now Abraham. But in 15, he isn't even yet Abraham. He's still Abram. He's still not of the people. Right. He has not been made into this new tribe that God is making. And he says that by Abram's faith alone, God saw Abram as worthy and clean and upright in his eyes. And so Paul is like, look, if that's all it took for Abram to be righteous in the eyes of God, it has to be the same for us. Now, as many of you know, St. Paul is not my favorite saint, but I have to give credit to his amazing way of seeing past all the clutter and things to just drill down to some of the most basic truths about human nature. And Paul understood that in order for a human being to live their best possible life, It meant to take hard looks at where and how you and I prioritize things. I mean, Jesus says this all the time. So really, it's Jesus's message, not Paul's, but you get my point. Fill that inner house with faith. Take that inner house inside your heart and your mind and blow out all of the walls. Throw away all of the proverbial Ikea furniture and fancy La Crusette cookware and make Faith, the center of your heart and mind. So what are all the walls in the furniture? I don't know what it is for each of you specifically. It might be how things used to be in your life. It might be how you want things to be now in your life. It might be specific people or material possessions. Whatever it is, God would call all of that idolatry, putting the image of something ahead of what really matters. Instead, Paul says, fill that metaphorical house, your inner core of values and desires with faith and let that faith work in you. And if you actually think about it from an interior decorating perspective, it makes a lot of sense. You don't build a whole house around one accent wall. And if you do, your house usually ends up on HGTV and they go, what were they thinking? Like (laughs) you build the whole house around a a layout of what kind of experiences you want 
in that house, how many bedrooms you need, how big of a family you have, what are the priorities? You don't build your life around one job, one perspective, one type of experience or material possession, no matter how important they may be to you. Paul says, if you build your life out of faith, if you do that, then it's just like Abraham and you will see miracles happen all over your life too. Amen. Thank you for listening to an Episcopal Constellation. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. And if so, please give us five stars on your local podcast provider.